Thank you for joining us again for our latest episode on KPMG's podcast channel, The Future of Audit. As always, I'm your host, Larry Bradley, KPMG's Global Head of Audit, and I'm delighted that you're here with us as we dive into current topics facing the profession today and how we can prepare for what's to come. We've got some exciting guests lined up for you today as we dive into the topic of fraud. Over the past several years, there have been a series of very high-profile financial scandals involving large publicly traded companies. In each case, the question is always asked, what were the auditors doing? In this discussion, we will explore this question from a few different perspectives. Let me introduce our special guest for today's episode, who are going to spend the next 30 minutes or so giving us some insight into the latest on fraud risk and why we need to put fraud in focus. Welcome and hello. Tom Seidenstein, Chair of the International Audit and Insurance Standards Board, or the IAASB. Preeti Sarma, from the Global Methodology Group at the KPMG. And finally, Sebastian Stocker, Head of Innovation at Global Audit for KPMG. Welcome, Tom, Preeti, and Sebastian. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. So, Tom, I'm going to reach out to you first. How are the stakeholders' expectation around fraud changing? Larry, I, I think we have to go back to what, what this is all about, what, what the vital role of audit is in the marketplace. And, and that's really where I start from, is that I truly, I believe that the audit profession and the function of audits is a truly noble one, because without which markets don't operate effectively. And so really, we need them as a trusted intermediary to give confidence in reported information, currently financial and increasingly non-financial. And so where expectations are changing, I'm not sure if it's really expectations are, are changing or not, but it's making sure that the auditor is doing their responsibility to ensure there's not material misstatement, either due to fraud or error. And I think what's undermined some confidence in the audit profession is instances where you have high profile cases of failure due to fraud that haven't been picked up and noted in the auditor's report. Now, I'm not commenting on whether the auditor's at fault or not because of it, but Clearly, each time that happens, it's a chink in the armor of the trust of the profession. And our goal as a standard setter in this regard is to write requirements that potentially give a nudge to auditors to do the right thing, to possibly not change them into a police cop. Again, it's in the context of what a, a financial audit is about, to empower them to use the professional skepticism in the right ways, and then to report to external stakeholders, and particularly investors, on what they've done and where there may or may not been a concern. Okay. So, so Tom, in your response, you mentioned clearly uh, fraud. So we've heard about the IAASB developing an upcoming fraud in the audit-focused project. What more can you tell us about that? So again, I go back to what I said, it's not a wholesale rewrite of the fraud standard in terms of audit, but it's going to areas that could incentivize the appropriate behavior of auditors and their interactions between management and those charged with governance. And 
I think that's an important thing to note. Auditors are not going to prevent fraud by themselves. The responsibility lies with multiple parties, chiefly with management, responsibility with those charged with governance, and then the auditors have an appropriate role detecting fraud and communicating their concerns to management and those charged with governance. I think it's an ecosystem out there. As a standard setter, I could have an impact on auditors themselves. So that's why we're doing standard setting, particularly at a moment in which confidence on this key public interest topic is, is somewhat diminished, fairly or unfairly. So a couple of th few things we're focusing on this in this standard is the roles and responsibilities. And I, I'm not an auditor, but when I came into this role, I read ISA 240. The first eight paragraphs of ISA 240 provide a whole lot of caveats on what possibly an auditor can't do in terms of detection of fraud. You know, one of the ways to get rid of the expectation gap is to be very clear on what we could positively do uh, as auditors. And we're going to change that. Yes, that all the caveats still exist, but we should be able to articulate what an auditor's role is in a positive fashion. And then you could be held to that, to that standard. Secondly, we're flowing the risk-based approach that you've seen in many of our standards already with the lens of fraud into this standard and highlighting where professional skepticism should be applied. Now, this will necessarily require more proactive, robust procedures and targeted responses. And then finally, we will ex expect some enhanced transparency in the auditor's report uh, as it relates to fraud. We just did a global consultation that's targeted on this issue with investor groups throughout the world. And what they tell us is, one, we're not so concerned about the length of the auditor's report. We want to understand more of what's being done in fraud. Secondly, having a separate section on fraud itself will be very useful because that will draw attention to it. And not only will it draw attention for investors, it will actually drive discussions between those charged with governance and the auditors themselves. And that's something that investors want to see. And then finally, they want a sense of some of the risk and the responses and potentially what significant deficiencies, material deficiencies were found as it relates to fraud in, do, under, in terms of the inter, internal control frame environment. And so we're trying to figure out how to do that best in a meaningful way that provides decision useful information for investors and others. So that's still work in progress. We expect that to be part of our exposure draft when it's finished. But I think this is a, a will be a step forward in terms of confidence in our standard as it relates to fraud. You know, Tom, I like the reference to ecosystem. In fact, that's a term that that I've used a number of times. And obviously, as internal as as independent auditors, we're a key part of that ecosystem. So, Preeti, I'm going to turn to you next. We have more than 90,000 auditors in 145 countries around the world with KPMG. How can we get our audit professionals to be more focused on fraud? A good question, Larry. Like Tom just mentioned, right, over the past few years, we've obviously seen these huge high-profile financial scandals uh, involving large public traded companies. And in each of these cases, the question that's being asked of us is what was the auditor doing? Now, I must admit, you know, it it is indeed very hard to detect a very determined fraudster and no one sets out to do a bad job. And again, like Tom said, due to the inherent limitations of an audit, 
there is the unavoidable risk that the fraud may not be detected, even though the audit has been planned and performed in accordance with the ISIS. But I think the key piece here is to ask ourselves, have we been skeptical enough? Do we go in with a questioning mind? Are we truly joining the dots and understanding the picture that the financial statements tell us? Do we step back from the micro detail of, you know, the test work and just completing audit files to really ask ourselves, does it all add up? Do we understand the economic substance of the transaction that's being audited? And of course, do we really pause and think, are we guilty of, you know, confirmation bias? I mean, fraud isn't a theoretical concept. It's not something that, again, we just consider because the ISIS needs us to sort of check a box. But I think it's something that we really should ingrain as part of every auditor's DNA in everything we do, right? Top down, bottom up, right from risk assessment through the execution of an audit to the point of signing a report. And I think it's this curiosity and skepticism, which is absolutely vital to ensure that fraud is in focus. And I think everything will follow therefrom. So Preeti, in your travels and in the work that you're doing on fraud, tell us what are you seeing as far as any emerging best practices? Yes, lots of really good stuff. Again, I think technology is the heart of it. Uh, we're definitely seeing technology playing a much bigger uh, part in fraud spotting. We're seeing tools which triage external data, both quantitative and qualitative, which will provide an auditor the outside and perspective of how a company is doing and almost highlight those red flags on a timely basis for the auditor to sort of look at skeptically. We're also seeing technology that is being used internally, right, to better analyze internal transaction level data, you know, to really help us identify those anomalies and focus our attention on the right areas within the audit. And apart from technology, we're also seeing increased use of forensic specialists. As we all know, frauds are getting, you know, extremely complex and harder to uncover. So getting a helping hand from the experts is something that we're definitely seeing more of. In fact, as best practice, we're seeing forensic professionals even involved in independently sort of validating the fraud risk assessments and the fraud risks identified by engagement teams um, and really seeing kicking the tires to see if, you know, the audit teams are thinking about everything they should. And based on facts and circumstances, they also help the teams to respond to some of these risks and even involve specialists like, you know, an anti-money laundering specialist or an anti-bribery and corruption specialist, as the case may be. And I think the third thing that comes to mind is really just training and coaching, right? We can have the best tools and technology, but I think it's all down to professional skepticism, which is of paramount importance and really bringing alive some of these real life war stories by our experienced forensic partners to really allow our junior auditors to truly understand how these frauds are perpetrated and what that means is also really important. We've also got some interesting stories from short sellers, fraudsters, even investigators, and this really helps our auditors put themselves in the shoes of these individuals to think about fraud from different perspectives. So some really interesting things out there, Larry, and I, I, I do hope we as a profession can sort of address this whole expectation gap better. Preeti, I can tell you as a long time audit uh, signing engagement partner, I have my share of war stories, so I can certainly appreciate that. And I think you also set up Sebastian really well for the next question. So Sebastian. It's, it's about technology when we're looking into the future. And obviously, artificial intelligence, I think, has a role to play in that. So give us your thoughts with respect to the role that AI can play. 
Yeah, sure. Happy to do that, Larry. And um, I think the role couldn't be bigger when it comes to artificial intelligence. Um, it certainly is a technology that a few years ago was um, more cryptic, um, difficult to understand. But I'm happy to say that we have mastered this challenge and we know when and how to apply AI in the right context. And fraud is just an excellent area for us to apply this technology because we are as pretty said, um, looking for the proverbial red flags. Um, so uh, those indicators and signs that um, raise the eyebrows and reveal potential fraud risks. And artificial intelligence helps us in a, in a huge way to do that because it is not just the single event, the single metric, the single ratio in the financial statement that we might be looking at. It's really overlaying various facts at the same time and by doing so, elevate the entities or transactions to the surface, um, above the surface, so to say, that uh, really truly have higher risks. So, for example, what we are doing today is we use um, data and analysis, uh, analytics capabilities to analyze financial statement ratios in, on, on the books of our clients. We combine the insights that we gather from those data points with external data factors, for example, looking into social media, adverse media, but also credit ratings and um, using that to corroborate the, the facts that we are seeing in the financial ratio analysis. Now, this by itself is powerful, but it really becomes powerful when we can compare and contrast um, entities across our whole client portfolio or quite frankly, across a whole peer group within an industry. And we call it, for example, doing a too good to be true analysis, right? Identifying entities that clearly stand out in contrast to their competitors within their peer group as one way to really look at red flags. And that may be the top-down analysis. That's really where then also the machine learning comes in because we can simply look at um, the patterns of known frauds from the past and project uh, the, the learnings from these known frauds from the past onto yeah, entities we are about to audit in the future. And that, that is the bread and butter of AI and, and one clear example how we can leverage this power to earlier identify relevant fraud risks. So Sebastian, I, I want you to take us even uh, a level deeper with respect to the use of, of AI. In particular, give me your thoughts on what's available today and where you think uh, things could be developing with respect to use of artificial intelligence in the future. How quick is technology moving and what is the possibilities that we can look forward to? Yeah, absolutely, Larry. Look, um, when, when we as auditors use AI, a key imperative for us is explainability. We need to be able to understand how and when the AI made a decision, right? To be able to reproduce it and um, be also able to document it appropriately. So if we think about um, the, the AI uh, that, that most of us um, understand when, when we educate ourselves, we, we think about deep learning, neural networks, right? Very advanced levels of artificial intelligence. That's where we are striving towards, but that's also where explainability is still a challenge. And a challenge though that I think over the next few years will be overcome to allow us to tap into these advanced levels of artificial intelligence. But nowadays we are today 
absolutely in in a in a position to to leverage the more fundamental foundational AI techniques such as supervised or unsupervised machine learning. Those, for example, um, statistical outlier detection methods, they look at the data within an entity, for example, a client's general ledger at all transactions within the general ledger, and using statistical methods within this machine learning approach, look for outliers by certain criteria, for example, transactions that are posted on specific accounts with amounts that are unusual compared to the overwhelming um, comparable transactions on these accounts. So this type of AI we are using today in production, in live audits, and we are striving towards the next levels of AI that are out there and coming and becoming ready. So Sebastian, at some future time, we're going to have to uh, have a discussion so you can tell me the difference between supervised and unsupervised uh, AI. But I have to tell you, this entire area is absolutely fascinating to me. Uh, Tom, I'd like to bring you in on artificial intelligence. Maybe you could just give us some perspectives from a standard setting viewpoint on artificial intelligence and the role in fraud? A couple of things on this is, first of all, I think uh, Sebastian spot on that I would see that artificial fraud detection or anomaly detection or scoring as it relates to that and being able to take in vast array of data points is what makes fraud one of the best use cases for artificial intelligence. And how to incorporate into the audit and risk assessment is an area of great promise. Now, from a standard setting perspective, I'm not, not here to tell you what you should use and what you should not use. My concern is if you believe that it is a, a good use case, do our standards empower the use of these technologies in support of the overall mission, which is to reduce the risk of material statement due to fraud? And right now, I'm not sure that we have a great answer on that. Uh, some people would say that the standards permit the use of it, and it's fine. And some would say, well, that may be the case, but regulators aren't really comfortable with it, so we don't know if it really does permit the use, and what we need is more specificity and nudge to it. The other thing that we grapple with when we embed technology in our standards is, are we preferring certain firms over others? And as a standard setter, we try to be pretty neutral in terms of commercial dimensions. And so, as a board, we are grappling with this today. At some point, you always reach a tipping point is when would the use of technology be a minimal expectation? Um, and we've set up a whole disruptive technology work stream to really begin to tackle these issues conceptually. And then we're going to run a couple thought experiments with let's take a, a standard like 315 and Assume you're working with uh, an entity that you're auditing using 315 that is what very data savvy, highly structured, you're able to ingest the data quickly. Does our standard work for that? Okay, now you're talking about, let's say, uh, the idea of an audit firm that is technolo technologically savvy that actually has access to a lot of AI2 tools. Does our standard work for that? And then we need to engage the regulatory community for exactly some of the reasons that Sebastian noted is that black box approaches to auditing are unlikely to be met uh, kindly amongst regulators, for justifiably so. And how do we get them to be comfortable that our standards are being complied with and that the, the function of the audit is being fully performed? 
if you're using some advanced technology against it. So Preeti, I'm going to put you on the spot on this question because there's such a high degree of interest with respect to the use of artificial intelligence. And as I'm reflecting on this conversation, what comes to mind is our ability to embed the promise and the use of AI tools in our methodology. And given your role in methodology and what you're doing, give me your thoughts with respect to how do we accomplish that? Embedding digital tools and technologies, including AI within our methodology, is very high on our agenda. I mean, it will not just improve audit quality, but is also something that the audit community is asking for. And the journey has well and truly begun. Now, as we've heard from Sebastian and Tom earlier, AI encompasses a wide spectrum of technologies which range from simple automation to almost autonomous decision making. So let me talk to these two broad categories of AI. At the less complex level, there's the rule-based supervised AI. So as Sebastian mentioned earlier, we could use a statistical algorithm to spot outliers in a population uh, that is rule-based, right? Supervised is built into the software. So as regards this rule-based AI category, we've definitely been able to embrace it within the audit, audit methodology. And we use these rule-based algorithms to say, for example, transaction score. And these algorithms sit within our software audit tools. They go through the appropriate level of testing to make sure that the logic and rules are applied correctly. So when we run this data through multiple such rule-based algorithms, it helps us to perform a very nuanced risk assessment, but also helps us focus our substantive work on these outliers. Now for this category, while there's still some way to go to get full acceptance and comfort, you know, from our regulators, from the audit community at large. There is definitely a shift that I'm seeing from analog procedures to rule-based AI and digital procedures, which is gaining much acceptance and traction. And there is, of course, the recognition that this is more effective and efficient as compared to traditional methods of applying a single sampling filter to the entire population. So huge promise in this area. In the second category, though, we start pushing the envelope, you know, into the more complex AI categories like neural networks, where machine learning starts sort of taking uh, precedence, right? So the machine starts making its own rules. It's almost unsupervised. So the algorithms get updated as the machine processes more and more data. So it almost starts thinking and learning and goes over and beyond the rules that were originally set for it. And while this concept is very fascinating, from an audit perspective, there's still some concern over the explicability of what's going on behind the black box. How is the tool setting the rules, especially since the rules dynamically keep changing? And consequently, establishing an audit trail gets a lot harder. So this unsupervised AI, while it may be used to gain some insights um, as we plan our audit, might still take a bit more time to embed and embrace within the core of the audit methodology for the reasons explained above. But yes, I'm optimistic that we'll get there. And this is definitely a space to watch. Well, I can tell you from discussions that I have had with our regulators just actually over the last couple of weeks, there's a high degree of interest in that community on the promise and the opportunity for 
the use of artificial intelligence. So I think we're going to have the opportunity to have a lot more discussions on this particular subject. But I'm going to close out this discussion. And what I would like to do is to give each of you an opportunity for one final remark with respect to this subject and fraud in general. So it does not have to be specific to AI. But why don't I turn to Sebastian, you first. Well, I think in summary, I, I would say the technology to help us as auditors spot fraud risks early is here now, and we are using this technology. So I'm very confident that with the help of technology, being it AI or advanced data and analytics techniques, we increase audit quality and we really fulfill our purpose um, in the marketplace. Preeti, I'm going to uh, turn to you next. Give us your final thoughts. I think companies have gotten more complex, businesses have gotten more complex, uh, technologies at our clients have gotten more complex. And I think as a profession, we need to get smarter and better. We need to use technology, we need to use specialists. And yes, we have to stay very focused on fraud and we need to, and, and skepticism has to, be the, has to be part of every auditor's DNA. I think that's the only way forward. Tom, I'm gonna to give you the final word. I think this is a really important topic in all seriousness. Um, and enhancing our standard and then the performance against our standard on fraud is a real opportunity to show the profession in its best light. And that's what this is about. It's a truly noble and essential profession for making markets work. And our ability to advance the ball, to improve engagements as it relates to the detection and of fraud risks and appropriate responses is essential if investors and others are going to have confidence in the work of an auditor. So that's what this project's about. I, I hope as we put out this proposal for comment, people have an open mind about it and really challenge some of their underlying assumptions and ask themselves, are we given the right cues to do the work even better than it's done today? Tom, Sebastian, and Preeti, thank you very much for this discussion today and for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is so important that the profession maintain appropriate levels of professional skepticism in connection with our responsibilities regarding the risk of fraud in audit. That is why we need to continue to put fraud in focus. We look forward to keeping you posted on the latest developments on fraud awareness and via my blog on kpmg.com. Thank you again for joining us today for our latest episode on KPMG's podcast channel, The Future of Audit. Until next time.